And the, the other thing you're going to hear is, well, you can't buy a championship. You know, you can't do that. It's not really true. I've seen a lot of examples of teams that have bought championships with teams that have spent a ridiculous amount of money and it's worked. Now, there are a lot of examples where it doesn't work. It's not an exact science, but the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, everybody loves the Philadelphia Phillies. What's the core of the Philadelphia Phillies? Anyone think about that? What the core of the Phillies would be? Well, let's let's go through it real quick. Bryce Harper. How'd they get him off? I forgot. Is that a free agent signing? I, th- I think they bought him. I think they bought him, yeah. They bought him. Nicholas Castellanos. How'd they get him? I, I forgot. Did they buy him? I think he came through a transaction called bought. Bought. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber. How'd they get him? I forgot. Did they buy him? Yeah, I think the the Yankees decided not to sign him, and so the <laughs> Phillies bought him. They bought him. Now, the Phillies have this really good pitcher. Really good pitcher who should still be on our team named Zachariah Wheeler. How'd they get him? They hate Bottom. They hate, hate Bottom. <laughs> now they have a catcher. They got a catcher who's pretty damn good named JT Realmuto. How'd they get him? Well, I think he got traded to him first, but then they bought him. <laughs> they bought his ass. That's what they did. <laughs> the Mets traded for Lindor. They bought him. That's what they did. So, look, here, here's the point of this, and that's not a knock on the Philadelphia Phillies. I know Philadelphia already doesn't like me very much anyway, and that's fine. It, you can go out and buy people, and it can work. And, and I think the Mets have more kind of homegrown talent in their court than the Phillies do. And that it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that, like, is a braggadocious thing, but Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo and Jeff McNeil and hopefully Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, more than a half of this lineup are core-built guys. Now, the Phillies have a handful of guys, too. I don't want to act like that doesn't exist. Alec Baum, Alec Baum, homegrown. But the rest of it is bought. And again, nothing wrong. I am not ripping the Philadelphia Phillies. I think the Phillies have done a great job of buying. And you may have heard they bought someone else this offseason named Trey Turner. So it's okay to buy. And it works. And ask the Philly fan this, because here's the other criticism I heard. Well, you won't enjoy it as much because you bought those guys. Ask the Philly fan if they enjoyed getting to the World Series last year if they enjoyed Bryce Harper hitting a majestic pennant-winning home run? The answer is yes. It's a really stupid point. And I don't like to use that word because I got in trouble recently because I got into a fight in the newsroom at WFAN with a good guy, uh, Anthony Gallo, who I like, and I, I feel bad for it. And I was so get- angry. <laughs> what are you laughing about? That no, I you was, stupid? No, well, no, I, you were so upset that you yelled at him that you gave him a gift later on. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I gave him a gift. I got very mad at him. And you know what? I, I actually thought about this because Gallo is a good dude and he actually listens to the Rico. He's a good Met fan. He just was saying really stupid things. We're going to put him on the Rico in a couple of weeks so he can at least debate me again what we were debating in the newsroom that caused me to like lose my mind and call him stupid, which I shouldn't have done. He made a stupid point. He wasn't stupid. He's not a stupid guy. Sometimes I make stupid points. I'd be the first to admit it. Um, but, the, but here's the whole freaking point of this. If you win, you're not thinking about how you got the guys. 
it's just such a, it's such an overrated thing. And I got hit on the head with that with the Nets when they bought Durant and Irving. Like, ah, oh, you won't enjoy this. They're a bunch of mercenaries. And I said, you guys are so stupid. Yeah, mercenaries. Okay. Does Max Scherzer feel like a mercenary right now? No, he's our guy. We love him now. As long as he's not sucking in the playoffs, we love him. Like, these guys become your guys. And it happens really quickly if they perform and they play at a high level. You're going to have, I think, tougher grades sometimes on the guys that you spend a lot of money for, the guys that you buy from other teams. You're probably quicker to boo them than the guys you develop. But, man, if they come through for you, you love them. You love them. You love every second of it. So that's just one of those weird, lame things people say, but it's just not true. And all you got to do is look around baseball, and you'll see that buying still makes you happy if it works. Well, well, that's the key is if it, if it works. And I think a lot of Mets fans in the past were bitter towards the whole buying thing because we had owners that didn't buy properly. And we looked across town and we saw, like, listen, not for nothing, but in 2009, the Yankees bought themselves a championship. And I look back and going, I was pissed. And if I said that buying comment, it was because I was jealous that we our owners couldn't do it right. And that yes. they were able to do it. Now I don't care. And I'm like, I have an owner that can do it. And here's the thing is, we talk about every year, I say this all the time, the reason why as a Met fan, I was always butthurt every single offseason was because you sit there saying there's five or six holes. The Mets go out early, fill one major hole, and like, oh my God, this is great. Can't wait to see the rest of the offseason. And then it's nothing. The, the other holes just sit there and you feel unfulfilled. This year, the Mets filled every freaking hole and they're they're filling more. Like there's there's really nothing else you could do. And it's like, well, we still have moves left. Freaking think about this at the Verlander press conference. One of the last things I heard Billy Epler say, they asked, Are you done? He goes, Ask eh, some marginal things. The next day they get freaking Carlos Correa. <laughs> I mean, that's marginal. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, man. It's been it's been some offseason. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's been an incredible, incredible offseason. But yeah, you gotta win. We all know that. I, I think what we are giddy about, if you're not a Met fan listening and you're kind of let me hear what these dopey Met fans are saying. No one's guaranteeing a championship. No one's even guaranteeing a division or a pennant, or anything like that. But we're hopeful that with this owner, he will not rest until we win. So, yeah, the Mets are going to go into this season with huge expectations and this huge kind of hate coming from other teams. Oh, those big bullies, those spenders. I hope they lose. Kind of the hatred the Yankees used to get a lot of. And if we lose, we're going to get mocked. This really does fit, Hoff. Sometimes I shoehorn it, but it does fit. You guys now know what I felt like as a Nets fan. Like, we spent money, we had superstars, we better win, and everybody hates us. That Really, tell me the difference. I know the sport is different, but what the hell is the difference? And you embrace it. You say, okay, and it sucks when you lose, dude. Like, it was awful losing with this Net team. And I don't know if they're going to win. They're playing a lot better now. but. It sucks, and it'll suck if we lose in the NLDS or the NLCS or the World Series, and people will mock us, and they'll mock Steve Cohen, and it's going to suck. But I'd rather be in this position where I know my owner is going to get taken back, self back up by the bootstraps and say, okay, let's go get this guy, this guy, and this guy. That's what I appreciate. 
And listen, it's funny. I, I will. This is very relevant. You nailed it. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving coming to the Nets. I mean, they were marked up to win a championship. Like that, that, that they had the odds on favorite, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, the, and we won nothing. Right. And I, I don't think the Mets should be the odds on favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. Uh, but I, I prefer this rather than being the – I always love the underdog story, but in this case, I don't mind being the cock of the walk, as they well, say. You know what, Pete? If you told me you're going to win the World Series, I already know the outcome. Like You're going to win the World Series. And then I can build how I win the World Series. Sure. Make me the plucky underdog. Make me the 1969 Mets. We didn't get to experience it. That's great. But that's not how it works. You don't get to plot out how you win a championship. You just have to do it. And this team has a better chance to win a championship with an owner who doesn't care about spending restrictions. It's just, it's just the way it is. So never apologize. This is what we were dreaming about. You know, when Steve Cohen bought this team and saved us from that awful, disgusting Will Pond regime that we were in, and he freed us and said, I will win you and take you to the promised land. We dreamt of this. We dreamt of this, of not just acquiring the best players, but it never being enough. And that's the difference. If they had stopped after refixing the pitching staff, maybe brought in Brandon Drury, a guy I wanted, or J.D. Martinez, a guy you wanted, I think we would have looked at this offseason and said, that's fine. It's good. Spending, it feels different. It's good. He went that extra mile and said, I'm going to get the championship-proven elite-level guy instead of the, all right, I'll give you Brandon Drury or J.D. Martinez. He went the extra mile on it. And I think that's what's awesome. I think that's what's great. And doesn't mean we won't turn on Carlos Correa in about a week and a half if he struggles to start the season, <laughs> like we did Lindor. But it doesn't mean we aren't pumped up and excited about this whole thing. I will apologize. I do have one apology, and it Go goes ahead. towards one man and one man only, and that is Steve Cohen, because I came on this podcast the day that DeGrom left, and I was upset. I was hurt. I was disgruntled, uh, and so were you. But And we were like, you know, it, I remember you screaming, he's gone, what are we going to do? Well, they showed us what they were going to do. And and that to me is, no matter what happened with the Grom, I don't even care anymore. It literally just it's canceled all my thoughts and feelings about what that situation was. The team is now 10 times better. Yeah, so here's the final thought on the Grom and uh, the fallout of it. The Mets made a decision around Jake. I didn't agree with it, but we move on, okay? I am fine that he's in Texas. I'm fine that the Mets made the decision. As much as I don't agree with it, I'm not, you know, saying I agree with them now. I'm saying they made a decision. I've laid out my points. If you haven't heard them, go listen to old episodes. The only thing that bothers me that's left is the hit pieces. That's it. The only thing that bothers me are the hit pieces. And it comes from... Guys like John Heyman, who I called out on Twitter the other day and just asked him nicely, is it the politics? Is it that he won't go on your podcast? What's causing that? Sal, who I like, Lakata takes shots at Jake. I think he's just sticking it up. So I don't take him as serious. I think he's just, you know, oh, it's Jake, the, Jake the Snake or whatever he's doing. I think he's just sticking it up. I, I would just let it go. Like the Mets didn't want him back. 
He didn't really want to come back. It's over. Like it, it's over. Even the, I saw a few people making a big deal that Chris Bassett tweeted out a thank you to the Mets organization and Jake didn't do it. First of all, here's the inaccuracies with that. And I think that's the only thing that bothers me, inaccuracies. Chris Bassett didn't even thank the fans. All Chris Bassett did was thank the organization. I'm not in the organization. So Chris Bassett didn't say a goddamn thing to me. That's number one. And number two, at the Grom's press conference, whether you believed him or not, he talked about how special the fans were. You don't have to believe him. You could call him a liar. That's okay. But to act as if he never said anything, and Chris Bassett did, is not true. And that's the only thing left in the DeGrom debate that bothers me are people saying things that aren't true. That's it. Like, I get it. I lost the debate. Pete lost the debate. We made our points on DeGrom versus Verlander. They made a different decision. I move on. Like, I'm I'm not sitting here talking about that five weeks later. I'm talking about the hit pieces. And it's got to stop. And it should stop from Met fans, too. Jake was a great Met. Maybe he didn't want to come back. Maybe the Mets didn't want him. It didn't work out. And that's it. I think we just have to move on. And I don't know what happened to John Heyman. I I mean this genuinely. I liked John Heyman. I thought he was a really good reporter. I don't know what's in the kind of the food at the New York Post. Like, you go there and you become a vengeful douche. And I'd say that to John because I'd say it to him. I've talked to him many times. I'd say, John, you're a vengeful douche now. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. Is it politics? That's weak. Is it he doesn't do interviews with you? Get over it. You're not that freaking special. No, but after all, look, the one thing about Jake, and again, this is not to try to sit here and like speak for Jacob DeGrom because I know nothing about him in his personal life at all, but he doesn't go on social media he doesn't tweet things out if i'm correct like he doesn't sit there and and instagram and so do all the social media stuff like that's where he spoke he spoke at the press conference that's it i mean if you know anything about him if you, he walks out the simple man like that's who he is he doesn't have he doesn't register the rest of that world and that's okay so it's for anybody that's, for anybody to sit there and try to take shots at him i, I bt try to do it too and i i kind of shut it down they're like i have no problem he did he said thank you to the fans at his press conference, that to me is what he would do. I'm fine I, with it. I get kind of the the hatred towards Syndergaard in a way. Like, I get how that still hasn't gone away. The DeGrom thing makes no sense to me. And by the way, one last thing on that. So it's gone under the radar. Kode Singa and Justin Verlander had their press conferences. Two real quick takeaways from it. Number one, Senga's got a big personality. You could tell if he's good. If he lives up to his hype, he could be a star here. But he revealed that he allowed the fans to pick his number. And the number was 34, which was Noah's old number. The Met fan still has it out for Noah Syndergaard. And that was done on purpose. That was beautiful. And then what was it? Eamon uh, McEnany? I I always screw his name up. But on SNY said that the Dodgers are coming to town in sometime, I think, in July or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll find out. You'll, we still have plenty of time to find out why Noah Syndergaard won't show up that weekend. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was a great line. Very funny. And lastly, Verlander at his press conference. Uh, not a surprise. We've heard from Verlander many times, been in the sport for a long time, revealing that he's working out with Max Scherzer. So trying to dispel the rumors that Verlander and Scherzer don't like each other. Ooh. They're working out in Jupiter, Florida. 
So there you go. Uh, you can email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. For the holidays, we'll continue to give you content, including the worst free agent signings in Met history. Hopefully none from this year, but the worst free agent signings in Met history. We'll also look at some of the great offseason trades in Met history. And on New Year's Day, we're going to bring in the new year with some of the great moments from the 2022 regular season. Now, I'm going on vacation. Pete's going on vacation. But that doesn't mean we're not going to give you Ricos. I just told you the list of Ricos you're going to get. Plus, if there is breaking news, if the Mets trade for Mike Trout, we will <laughs> we will certainly do our best. Hey, it could to happen. Give you, you, some can't, Ricos. you can't even joke about that anymore because it can happen. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It could. <laughs> we'll give you the Ricos any way that we can. But we do appreciate you listening and appreciate your understanding on why our Carlos Correa reaction had to occur, you know, 18 hours after he signed with the Mets. We got jobs, man. What do you want from us? Anyhow, appreciate you listening again. You can email thericob at gmail.com. Have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah from Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>